Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we sit down with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and discuss how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Um, here again with Eric, we're talking about our distinctives or our core values as they're known nowadays. That's right. I guess the the OG members would know them as distinctives. That's right. <laughs> Wayne Alderman and Eric Zeldin. Yeah, they would know them as Those would be the two, right? Well, last week we talked about uh, biblical expository preaching and biblical worship. This week we're going to talk about biblical theology and biblical holiness. Um, so these are obviously distinctives that I think a lot of churches would would like to, you know, or core values that they would like to put on their uh, website and, you know, truly do believe it um, mm-hmm. by believing churches would, would hold to these things. Um, but obviously we have a little bit of a different um, kind of definition. We don't just throw these on there, but we actually have a good explanation of it. So do you want to kind of start with biblical theology and kind of explaining more about that, give the definition? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's remind our people where you can find these on our website. It's uh, when you when you go to ChristPresAuburn.org, uh, there's a link uh, with lines at the top right of the page, and you can find there our story and uh, core values, who we are, that kind of thing. And and those these are listed there. So on the website, what we had originally written um, regarding biblical theology, we said a church committed to the theology of the Westminster Confession of Faith as the most faithful summary of the teachings of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so I think for people who don't come from a background where the Westminster Confession of Faith is used or taught, uh, that might sound to them like we've said something different from the from the very word biblical theology, right? <laughs> because somebody's thinking, well, my theology comes from the Bible, yeah. right? Uh, but for Reformed people, especially those with uh, Presbyterian background, uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is written in the 1640s, was... Uh, the Parliament's question to the pastors in the day Mm -hmm. in England, and the question was simply, uh, tell us what the Christian faith is. Mm -hmm. And they answered by writing uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith together with the larger and shorter catechisms. And that particular document, which we would say is it's always subservient to Scripture, it's beneath Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, and they said several things in that document that uh, have been have been changed, especially the way that they spoke about the Catholic Church. Yep. And you have to consider the document written in the context of uh, in between the uh, some very difficult days of persecution from the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and under Bloody Mary, things like that. So you recognize that some of that language is antiquated for that yep. purpose, you know, because of that context. But what we're saying when we when we say biblical theology and we say we're actually committed to the theology of the Westminster Confession of Faith is that we believe that the Westminster Confession of Faith is the best summary of theology that has been written in a single document mm-hmm. um, that draws the overall teachings of Scripture into very succinct ways of understanding. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's important to to say, Michael, um, why do we need to say that, right? Yeah. I mean, you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why do you need to be so precise mm-hmm. with this document? And and those who've read the Westminster Confession of Faith would recognize it speaks to so many things. It speaks, um, 
you know, to the fall of man. It speaks to mm-hmm. uh, basically why God has given us a Bible mm-hmm. where where His Word is uh, contained in. It speaks to how we relate to the civil government. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the, the Lord's, Lord's Supper, yep. yeah, baptism, the sacraments. It speaks to worship and um, and how we should rightly honor God on, mm-hmm. uh, and it speaks to the Ten Commandments. It explains all that. So it has, it's very thorough. If you haven't read it, I've, I think it's worth, uh, it's certainly worth all of our folks reading it. If mm-hmm. you, if you're not what you would call one of our folks, meaning you don't go to Christ Pres, I still think it's, it's a, a deeply rich, worthwhile document. To and, st- and I will say one of the ones that, the one that I have, the copy that I have, I think it's Banner of Truth. Yeah. Um, they have footnotes that cite like the passages of the Bible where where a lot of the questions and well, the answers to the questions were, um, or the statements and then the the responses and and, and where that all is is from Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Um, and that is very helpful. Good. Very, very helpful Um, because, yeah, that's excellent. You know, we're, you know, obviously the Westminster confession is subservient to the scripture. And so to have the scripture in there and then looking at those verses and seeing mm-hmm. how the Westminster divines, um, who wrote the Westminster confession of faith, how they actually drew these answers. Yeah. And that, and, and to your, I'm glad you mentioned that they were actually, they brought the confession back originally to parliament and parliament mm-hmm. asked them to go back and, and cite scripture to mm-hmm. answer those. How, where did this come from? Yeah. And, and it's incredibly helpful because it, you, you go, Oh, okay, well this is why they speak on infant baptism and they go and they study, and came back with the passages of Scripture that support that. Um, so here, here's one of the reasons that that I think uh, we felt like it was important to say it this way in the context of Auburn. Um, it is not uh, uncool in the Christian <laughs> world of Auburn to be uh, to say that you're reformed. It's not that's that's actually quite all right, um, and and it it has uh, grown in its there's probably been seasons and times when being reformed was cool and when it wasn't cool. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, we, I've found, and I think, um, those who've been around here longer than me would say it's it, in churches in the, in the Auburn community, it's, it's kind of cool to be reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason we want to say it this way is because the Westminster confession of faith actually says many things which go far beyond what those broadly reformed, uh, views mm-hmm. might hold, mm-hmm. right? So there's people who will say, yeah, we hold to the teachings of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Oh, do you do you all baptize infants? No, we don't do that. Yeah. We hold to the Westminster Confession of Faith except for that. Oh, okay, so you teach your people then that the Lord's Supper is in fact a sacrament that's a sign and seal, and you're, you're communing with Christ. Your, your heart is actually being lifted to heaven mm-hmm. when you partake of the Lord. No, 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 we don't, we don't do that. Um, so well, I say that because there's a tendency just to speak with kind of broad brushes and mm-hmm. go, well, yeah, we're Reformed too, and they're Reformed. And not that we want to be like, hey, we're the most Reformed, and we're trying to make sure that we hold that banner. Yeah. But we're, we actually wanted to put, hey, one of our core values is that we, can't, we don't just throw that moniker out there. Mm-hmm. We actually are saying we are Reformed because we believe that the Westminster Confession mm-hmm. of Faith is the system of doctrine from which the church ought to be formed, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, following the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so that means <clears throat> that in the PCA, it, when I go to be examined for ordination back when I'm 33, 34, 35, whatever it was, 
I'm, I'm, I'm asked questions, and I have to answer based on my understanding of the Westminster Confession mm-hmm. of Faith. I'm tested on theology. And Josh Scheidler goes to be ordained, and he's tested on those things. We're given five tests, and one of them is theology, and the theology test comes directly from the Westminster mm-hmm. Confession of Faith in every presbytery. Well, if you don't have an ordaining body, then you can just say you're generally Reformed but not have any connection mm-hmm. to the rich theology mm-hmm. of a document like mm-hmm. that, let alone have to memorize it, let alone have to know why we arrive at those conclusions. Mm-hmm. So um, what we're really trying to say with this, and I always try to mention to people, we really are, we care about transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in saying this is who we are, we're saying this is the document that we believe summarizes what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to use it as, as, as a kind of a guardrail mm-hmm. for how we form church mm-hmm. and uh, what we do. Yeah. And handle, I mean, even handling other things, um, which I know we're going to get into like, you know, church discipline uh, yeah. in the next, in biblical holiness, but mm-hmm. um, even, you know, I guess just handling, you know, when there's, when there's theological disagreements within the church is like, Hey, this is what our, Church does, which yeah. the PCA does have the good faith subscription. Sure, could you explain that? Maybe just yeah, a little, yeah. It's, no, a, it's, it's a rabbit hole, but mm, I know it's in there. It's not a, it's not an unhelpful one though, yeah. for sure. There was, uh, there was a movement. Probably, I was in, I was actually in seminary when this uh, was kind of resolved. It's about oh three, oh four, and there was uh, a movement within the PCA uh, to acknowledge that we've got a lot of guys that are coming to be ordained that are saying they take exceptions to the Westminster Confession mm-hmm. of Faith. And one of a, a very common one would be um, the Westminster Confession teaches pretty pretty strictly an understanding of the Sabbath that says you, you do not—the uh, Sabbath is not um, for work. It cannot mm-hmm. be—and and it even limits—it goes beyond—it's my view. It goes slightly beyond what the Scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. Um and it says that the whole day must be taken up in the in the public and private exercise of worship. Mm-hmm. But then in the larger catechism, it also references and rest, right? Um, so it speaks yeah. <laughs> to worship and rest, but then it's impossible if the whole day is taken up with worship to rest. But I also think that, that the way it's stated, it goes slightly beyond Jesus's proclamation that the Sabbath is a gift to man, mm-hmm. and it is not meant to be a club to beat over the head yeah. of man. Um, so good good faith subscription arose out of a, a general assembly in the uh, early 2000s that if if uh, you know a faction to the right was saying well we can't we can't ordain people if they take exceptions mm-hmm. like that um, and then there's you know a, a faction to the what you would say to say it's somebody's left in the PCA <laughs> is like saying, well, I mean, they're they're left of the far right, but they're yeah. not exactly they're not exactly liberal. Yeah. Um, but there were people who were saying, no, we need to we need to acknowledge these exceptions and just um, just say that they are exceptions. Good faith subscription arose out of this. Um, we want to be able to quantify what whether an exception is one that is an exception of actual doctrinal significance mm-hmm. or an exception that that really doesn't strike at the vitals of the doctrines mm-hmm. of, of uh, the Bible. And so, particularly to my example, that one became one that was just counted as, uh, yes, and it is an exception to the confession. We do not believe it strikes at the vitals mm-hmm. of our religion. Yeah. What that did for the PCA is it actually allowed us to have a, 
the large tent view, big tent, um, because this denomination was intended to be kind of a mainline, a continuation of the mainline mainline. churches. So you want to have a big tent view. Yes, there's going to be people to the right of you, and there's going to be people slightly to the left of you, but the Westminster Confession is meant to hold us as guardrails, Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that has come up even in recent years with the Revoice Conference and other things that that came up, and people were like, well, this this particular view violates the Westminster Confession of Faith. And if people will allow themselves to be patient and let the church courts work, what always has happened in my— whatever, 20 years in the PCA, 20 years as ordained, that um, that theology ends up getting shaken and washed back through the Westminster Confession <laughs> of Faith and studied, and it, it allows people to go, mm, well, yeah, actually the line's right here, mm-hmm. and this statement goes beyond it. For, for instance, in, in the Revoice uh, issue, which had to do with whether a person can declare themselves to be— uh, a gay Christian, meaning, and what they meant was not that I practice homosexual behavior, mm-hmm. but rather that I have those temptations, mm-hmm. and I fight those temptations, and I have not acted on those temptations. I'm not sexually immoral, but that those temptations are there. Well, the, those who were using that phrase, gay Christian, were failing to understand the doctrines of progressive sanctification, mm-hmm. right? That, that we are actually not identified by the name of our sin, mm-hmm. but we're identified by our new identity in Christ. And so this is exactly what I anticipated happening. Those people who were holding those views that were slightly outside of accord with the Westminster Confession of Faith eventually go, you know, this isn't really a good denomination for me. Mm-hmm. It's not a good fit yep. for me. And and the church is able to say, uh, let us help you see that. Yeah. This is not a good place for you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. that's what that's what that is. Yeah. No, I, I was just curious. I, I, I know that was something that I thought about that really did correlate to biblical mm. theology and just, just think about that. And it does. Um, it does. I do like that our church embraces this, but doesn't like put it on some type of pedestal that it mm-hmm. can't be, yep. you know, yep. the, it's not the, the buttress of the church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. That's it's right. just, it is just, uh, just, a. I mean, yeah, we're committed to, we believe it's the most faithful um, summary of the teaching of scriptures. And I, and I do love that we use it within our order of worship too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something we do. And we usually are just using the shorter, usually the shorter catechism. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I know that for me is very instructive um, and convicting at times too. Um, but also knowing you got like when these core values were made, when the PCA was founded. Um, and then obviously when the core values of this church was made, you know, we wouldn't submit ourselves to, a document or some type of confession that didn't wasn't fully rooted in scripture. And, yeah. and that's the thing that we can really hold hard to is that the the Westminster Confession really is mm-hmm. so rooted in scripture. And I was wondering if you were gonna say anything about the Catholic Church things because it right. it gets very uh it gets very uh you can see that it was there was oh, a lot of persecution totally. kind of totally. pushing that and, and it's there's some rough lines in there. There is, yeah. They yeah. there there's a place in the original confession that refers to um the Pope as the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. It refers to uh, papists, and it uses the phrase papists and other infidels, mm-hmm. which is uh, language which has been altered. Mm-hmm. Um, it was impossible for those who had been persecuted by Roman Catholics in the 1600s to envision that somebody could in any possible way be in the Roman Catholic Church and also 
trust in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ alone for their salvation. Yeah. That was impossible for them to comprehend. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, quite likely they're coming out of the dark ages, which is understandable yeah. why that would have been difficult. Yeah. But yeah. And so to your, I think you asked, you made the comment that we use these things in worship. Mm-hmm. Those things uh, are subtle. Mm-hmm. We do drop them in where we have a place where we confess our common faith. Mm-hmm. We use that occasionally. And we'll I'll put that there along with the Apostles' Creed at times, mm-hmm. along with the Nicene Creed at times, and other very—even Heidelberg Catechism and other mm-hmm. confessions like that. Uh, there's several old Reformed confessions that are valid and used in our denomination. The Westminster Confession of Faith is the one that all ordained pastors in the PCA have to subscribe mm-hmm. to yeah. and affirm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. So that's why we do it. But to your point, it comes up a lot, mm-hmm. right? Every time we do a sacrament, I'm going to explain yep. something, and I'm going to use the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. To, uh, like even um, a couple weeks back, I, I was explaining the Lord's Supper, and I, and I simply stated, this is a sign and seal of God's covenant of grace with his people. Well, Eric's not smart enough to come up with that concept. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just taking it directly from the mm-hmm. Westminster Confession of Faith. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, so then uh, I guess the second uh, core value we'll touch on tonight is uh, biblical holiness. Um, so do you just want to go to yeah. read that one? Yeah, that one says, a church that encourages its members to embrace the sanctifying power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit and to grow in personal holiness. Uh, in a world of broadly evangelical uh, Christian uh, <laughs> Christianity, there's a tendency for us to divorce justification from sanctification. Mm-hmm. And what we mean is... Um, you, you might hear the statement that God loves you and, uh, and there is salvation for you in Christ, um, and that is the doctrine of justification, meaning that Christ has suffered on my behalf, and because he suffered on be- my behalf and imputed his righteousness to me, I am declared not guilty, which means that uh, I, ha- I do not have to bear my sin ever again Mm -hmm. in any eternal consequence and Mm -hmm. penalty. Well, what often happens in, I would say, broadly Reformed, well, let me say it this way, broadly evangelical churches, not broadly Reformed, but Mm -hmm. broadly evangelical churches, can accidentally, in in a way that they do not probably mean to do, they can preach that first note Mm -hmm. that God loves you in Christ. And they can fail to acknowledge what we talked about that, with regards to the progressive sanctification that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that having been saved, and all of Paul's letters say this, having been saved, we're actually called to be transformed. Mm-hmm. The very same grace that saved me is the grace that is at work within me by the power of the Holy Spirit to change me. But you'll notice in that phrase, a church that encourages its members to embrace the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's deliberate Mm -hmm. to say the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me, that sanctification is even by grace, Mm -hmm. as salvation is by grace. But I, as a member of this church, am going to uh, cooperate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to embrace what Christ is doing. So what what does that look like? Um, A young person in in college, we've got a lot of college students here, right? They're uh, underage drinking is is a common thing and has been for years on a college campus, mm-hmm. um, a, a Christian who worships at Christ Pres is going to hear uh, that that there really is a call to embrace 
the implications that underage drinking are is biblically out of accord yep. with with being a believer, right? It doesn't mean that a person who who uh, does engage in underage drinking couldn't possibly be saved. Yeah. <laughs> it means that the direction of your life and your heart must be that was actual sin. I need yeah. to throw that off. Yeah. And, and likewise, the you know, various kinds of sexual immorality that exist on a college campus, um, that you would go, okay, I have been saved. God does not continue to to affirm my enslave, my slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used a particular portion of uh, Galatians last week that, that referenced that. Um, and I think that's important to do for, for our people to recognize that we don't want, having been saved, we do not we don't want to uh, have the the world look and say, "I don't know about those people at that church. Mm-hmm. They look exactly the same." Mm-hmm. And and it's so easy to use silly examples like underage drinking and and fornication on mm-hmm. college campus. We also actually have to acknowledge that 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 ho- biblical holiness has implications for uh, how you drive on the road. How you operate in your work life and business world, mm-hmm. and how you treat your spouse and your children and your um, and your parents. There's there's so many implications to biblical holiness. Mm-hmm. What we're what we're really saying is that God, who saved you out of sin, does not want you to to remain in sin, and so He's being mm-hmm. He's actually calling you mm-hmm. to embrace the ongoing power yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I would say practically, you know, just quick examples like how how at Christ Press do we do that? Mm-hmm. One thing I'm thinking of yeah. first that I want to say, um, I will never forget there was a guy, he goes to our church, um, but he, does, he comes irregularly, and I'm not going to say his name or anything, mm-hmm. but but he but he's it, he one time, um, I think this is actually before COVID, sat with me, and we had new members join the church. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, he's a very serious guy. Mm-hmm. He takes, he's just... Very just, you know, I want to say clinical with things. I don't mm-hmm. know. He's just very precise and cares a lot. And you were asking the questions for membership. And I for, I don't even know who. I don't even know if they go still go to our church. They might have moved at this point. Mm-hmm. They might have college students. But I remember you asked these questions. I remember he looked at me with the most serious look on his face and just said, those are some really intense questions. <laughs> and, 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 and I remember me going like, yeah, because yeah, we take it mm. seriously. And um, not in a snarky way, but I was yeah. like, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of what, we, what we're doing. But I mean, mm. but one of the things, one of the, one of the questions I, I, ever since he said that, I, every time you do membership vows in front of the church, I always mm. pay attention. And I always, yeah. you know, because I know you say, remember that this is also a reminder for those who are members of the church to remember their vows. Yeah. And one of the, the last ones, that you ask is, will you promise to study the purity and peace of the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it's near the last, do you submit under the authority of the church? Government discipline and, and, church. Yes. Yeah. And those two for me are always ones that I'm just like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like I know like if I'm, if I am just like wayward, mm-hmm. like the, my church will, will, wrestle me in you yeah, know and, yeah, and, and right. so practically i see that but how would mm. other ways you know maybe not in as a disciplinary action sure. but in more con- constructive yeah action, I, would you that's say? actually a great a great comment the the other part of those questions and i always summarize those questions by saying really what we're asking you know do you know that jesus is your savior do you know that 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 you're a sinner that mm-hmm. jesus is your savior and are you willing to live as becomes and that's what yeah. one of the questions says that you will 
endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to that particular one about submitting to the government and discipline of the church. Um, one of the we talk about when we talk about discipline, we're we're actually talking about two kinds of discipline that exist in the church. One is um, corrective discipline, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what you've just alluded mm-hmm. to, right? If if you go off the rails, there's going to be an elder of the church that says, "Hey, Michael, we are very concerned yeah. for you, and we're going to hold yeah. you to the vows you made mm-hmm. these years ago." But the other type of discipline is what I would just call formative discipline, mm-hmm. and so. What that means is that that as the Bible is preached, and because we believe in, as we said, one of our first core values, biblical expository preaching, mm-hmm. that the Bible is going to cause us to encounter places where we really are unholy and living mm-hmm. like the old man. And so formative discipline is you're going to hear those things as we walk through the pages of the Scripture and be simply told and convicted by the Holy Spirit and uh, God's going to guide us through His Word, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I would describe it like um, it's it's the difference of uh, giving your children medicine mm-hmm. um, and giving your children a corrective pop on the wrist or hand mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. you'd have to do for discipline. Uh, there's there's moments where both are um, are in order, mm-hmm. but no child. Uh, uh, would ever grow without being fed and nurtured mm-hmm. and given their shots mm-hmm. and um, seeing the doctor and things like that. Mm-hmm. So those are just kind of formative ways that just being a part of the life of the church actually has the power to to change us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Good yeah. question. So thank you, yeah. Michael. Those... I, think, I think that really does cover this too. I think we really knocked those out of the park so <laughs> just just well good praise god yeah praise, praise god. god for knocking it out of the park we've got um we've got a few more after this and mm-hmm. i think um the next ones that are coming up biblical evangelism church planting and missions biblical discipleship biblical mm-hmm. wisdom and biblical community so we'll cover those in the coming weeks yep that That'd sounds be great. good thank you michael all right no problem take care see y'all